Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. Hello and welcome to episode 25. I have a super special guest here today that I'm really excited to get chatting with. And of course, before I do that, I just want to introduce herself, myself, the podcast, and then we're going to dive right into it. So my name is Lisa Matthews. I'm the host of the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast here that you're listening to. And I support highly sensitive people to really help them create a spacious, calm, and intuitively led life. I'm a flower essence practitioner, a registered cranial sacral therapist, and I hold plenty of circles and workshops, both in person and online. So if you've listened to the podcast before, you'll probably know I have a little current event section of what's coming up on those circles and workshops. So as we step into greater and greater darkness, longer nights, in the northern hemisphere at least, and as we make our way towards winter solstice, I'll be holding two different offerings around the winter solstice. We'll be meeting online on Friday, December 17th, and you can find all the information on both of these events that I'll mention at combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. So we'll be meeting online on the Friday, December 17th, and in person on December 19th, the Sunday. And we're going to be meeting to really sink into the rhythms of nature at this wonderful time of year. The winter solstice is probably one of my favorite days of the year, I'll be honest. There's something particularly soft and yet illuminating about it. There's such a really, I don't even put it into words, there's this energy of hopefulness as the light returns, but not needing to do anything just yet, because of course the solstice is around being still. It's around a pause. So if you're looking to celebrate this wonderful time of year, really consciously to maybe step back from the busyness of this month, if it's a full month for you, and to connect with conscious community to reflect on the year and to do some winter solstice rituals, then I invite you to join us. So I'll drop all the information to find the link in the show notes and really thrilled for both those events coming up. I've got a new one coming up in the new year that almost feels like I almost, it feels so far away 2022, but it's not. So I will name it now and share more about it in the next coming episodes that on January 8th, I'll be meeting in person here in Rosalind for visioning the new year. You may have just heard a big crash and there is some snow falling off the roof because we got a whole bunch of snow over here in Rosalind. So on January 8th, that's going to be a crystal class as well, working with Amethyst. So I'll bring in more about that next time. 
For now, I want to dive into introducing my wonderful guest today, Allison Even. She's an Ayurvedic practitioner and health coach with a focus on helping busy professionals fight chronic fatigue using herbal medicine, healthy food, and holistic lifestyle habits. She grew up on the riverside between Nelson and Castlegar in the Sinaix territory in a Russian Dukabor household. And Allison considers herself a nomad and student of life. She spent time in India, where she completed trainings in Ayurveda, yoga, massage, and Reiki healing. She currently lives in Mexico and continues to deepen her knowledge around the natural world with herbalism, mycology, permaculture, and bioconstruction. I am super excited to dive in. We're going to have a really juicy conversation. And thank you so much for your time for joining us on the show today, Allison. Welcome. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm super excited to be here on your show and yeah, just ready to dive into this chat that we have today. Yes. And I know that obviously I'm going to probably ask more in, in a little bit on, on living in Mexico because and what drew you there because that is a really beautiful place to be. I've only been there literally one day in my life, so I'd like to get back there more. But you have such an interesting background, and I'd love to hear what drew you to the work you do now. What drew you into your current roles? I know you. we often wear many many hats, as we were chatting about before we hit the magic record button. But yeah, if you'd like to share a little about your journey and whatever shows up, that'd be wonderful to hear. Yeah, sounds good. Um, and definitely you're welcome to come visit here in Mexico anytime if you want to get away from the snow. Amazing. Um, I might show up on your doorstep, get some sunshine. Yeah. Um, and before I dive into more about me, I just wanted to share a brief description of what Ayurveda is, just in case some listeners may not be so familiar with it. So Ayurveda is a natural health science that comes from the Vedic culture in India, and its use dates back to over 5,000 years ago. So we would call it an ancestral medicine because it's been used within a culture long before our time. And it's a very unique branch of wellness because it focuses on preventative medicine and also treating the root cause of a disease or an imbalance, which is very contrary to what most of us experience when using allopathic medicine. Um, and Ayurveda has many different branches in bringing someone back to balance or treating an illness. And some of those branches are food, herbalism, uh, lifestyle suggestions or habits, massage treatments, detoxification, and also using yoga asana, pranayama, and meditation, along with many other things. Um, and so with that, my personal introduction to Ayurveda began um, from being introduced to yoga, actually, 
And I was thinking about how I came to yoga because it's been in my life for a very long time. And I suppose I came to yoga from being a very highly sensitive child growing up and being Hmm. a highly sensitive adult as I am now. And like you mentioned before, I grew up in the Kootenays. I think I grew up in like a relatively health conscious family, you know, like we always had a garden. My mom was trying to cook healthy food for us. And my, my older brother was a high performance athlete. So there was always an idea of like exercise and like health in our family generally. Um, But the opposite of my brother, like I was very contrary to him, like definitely more of an introverted child, sensitive, more creative, more of like a dreamer. I liked playing alone by myself. Um, And I did try to keep up with him. You know, I tried to play all of the sports. Like I think I've tried every single sport, (laughs) but um, I just didn't ever like those kind of like high intensity group activities where there was like contact or like balls that can hit you in the face. Like it just was not for me, it was too much. Um, So I didn't really play sports as a child, but then as I started to develop into a teenager, I became very like conscious, like self-conscious of my body and like worried about like being chubby or overweight. So I realized I needed some kind of like exercise or health in my life. And so that's kind of how I discovered yoga. I think the first time I discovered yoga was like in a cosmopolitan magazine. There was like a <laughs> centerfold of like <laughs> the sun salutations. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. We can do those things with our body. So cool. And then like my mom had some old like VHS tapes of yoga. So, you know, I checked it out and was just like so into it. It felt right for me. Um, And then I lived in Vancouver for several years. And that's when I started really like getting into yoga as a regular serious practice. So I was doing like Bikram hot yoga, Iyengar yoga, like all different yoga studios almost every day. Um, And also, of course, learning about pranayama, meditation. And from there, I saw a huge change in my health, not only physically in my body, but I felt like I was able to cope mentally and emotionally with like living in a city, being a highly sensitive person. Um, So yeah, making a long story short, that brought me to India. Eventually, I took a yoga teacher training course just to advance my practice. I actually had no intention of ever like teaching, but I did down the road. Um, Funny how that happens sometimes. What's that? (laughs) Funny how that happens sometimes. Like, I'm just gonna learn this for my own personal growth. And then it's like opens this whole new chapter. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was incredible, because it did, like, of course, help me grow personally, but it also directed me towards, like, I guess, a career or life path. Um, Uh. Yeah, and I loved my yoga school, I loved all the people that I was with, and that's how I learned about Ayurveda, I was part of the program. And as we learned about the philosophy of Ayurveda and the elements and the tridoshas, once again, it just like clicked for me. It just made so much sense. It felt very aligned. 
And at the same time as I was doing my yoga teacher training, I also enrolled in like a lunchtime Ayurvedic massage program at another school down the street. So I was like, I I love studying so I can become obsessive in that way. So that's when I first learned about Ayurvedic massage and like how to give and receive um, touch. And so that actually opened another door for me doing body work. Um, And then eventually I returned to India to complete my diploma in as an Ayurvedic practitioner. And at the same time, once again, added another layer to my studies by enrolling in my own personal 30-day Panchakarma detoxification therapy. And it was one thing to like learn about that on paper and then experience that in my own body. Like, wow, once again, it changed my health, it changed my habits, and it really like opened up another door for me of how to not only share that with other people, but keep incorporating those methods into my own lifestyle. And yeah, that was back in 2016. And pretty much ever since then, I have been offering my services to people in many different ways. And my work is uh, constantly expanding and evolving. And it's it's very exciting and a lot of fun. So amazing. What an incredible winding journey all across the globe, it sounds like. Oh, start here, make your way over. And I lived in Vancouver for many years as well. And as a highly sensitive, it's a beautiful city to live in. And I think it's very supportive in that nature so close compared to perhaps other really major cities. But it's, yeah, still busy. And... Mm. Oh, what a beautiful journey you've been on and and you've touched a little bit on it, but I'd love to flesh out a little bit more like as a, a highly sensitive, how have you benefited and how can people benefit from the knowledge of Ayurveda and how, and I, I'm just going to sneak in in case it fits in. I'm super curious about a like snapshot of the doshas because I read about them and then I kind of forget about them. I'm a I'm a total baby Ayurvedic explorer. I like to just learn. So yeah, if that fits in now or at a different time. But yeah, how can uh, this be helpful for highly sensitives as well? Yeah, of course. Um, I'll definitely give a little snapshot of the doshas. Um, And Ayurveda is such a vast science. There's so much to learn and I'm still learning about things. Um, So if you're listening and you don't know that much about Ayurveda, like don't worry about it um, because it's, it's actually very simple. Once you understand what it is, it makes a lot of sense. And so for me as a highly sensitive person, um, Ayurveda really just helped me to get to know myself Um, and also accept myself and love the qualities about myself and through um, the doshas. So the doshas are the forces which make up everything um, in our bodies, in our food, in our environment. And that comes from the five elements, which is air, space, fire, water, and earth. And then the three doshas are vata, pita, and kapha. And those are Sanskrit words, so they may not be familiar, um, but that's okay. It's just like a way of describing how those elements function within us, if that makes sense. Um, 
So when you understand the doshas, how vata, pitta, and kapha work, you're able to see clearly, or well, when I was studying, I was able to see clearly why I am the way that I am. And Mm. it's also very empowering to understand that information because then you're able to take your health back into your own hands and understand when you become imbalanced, how you can bring yourself back to your natural state. So it's, it's a vast science, but once you learn the basics, it's very easy to implement things into your own life. And so, for example, I am a kapha-dominated body type, and kapha is made up of water and earth. So it is the most dense and heavy of the doshas, we could say. And so that means that I have a more dense and solid body type, and I always have. So when I was younger, I was always very concerned about being overweight, Mm -hmm. but that's just how I am naturally. Um, and you know, I'm slower, I'm slower at making decisions. I'm slow to get up in the morning. I'm slower to learn things. Um, and that's just the nature of a Kafa person. I can be very introverted. I can be very emotional. Um, so yeah, once again, it just made sense when I was learning about this. Okay. That's, that's why I was always like that as a kid, or that's why I have this habit or why I have this tendency, So yeah, just a way to be more understanding and accepting of yourself. So I would recommend to any highly sensitive person or like person in general who's curious about anyone, (laughs) just yeah, dive in and get to know your body type if you can. Um, It can help a lot with your food choices, with your lifestyle choices, Um, And once again, these can just be very basic changes that you make for yourself that make a huge difference. And so, yeah, a lot of my clients also come to me with very specific food issues or sensitivities or chronic illnesses. And I've seen people just like the light bulb turn on for them when they learn about their body constitution and yeah, it just makes it a lot more easy to make shifts. Yeah, and it's, it's very personalized. doesn't even seem quite like the right word. It, it, it fits as well, I, I, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong anyway. But like, obviously, understanding more about ourselves, our bodies. I am hmm, reasonably certain I'm predominantly Vata. Is that the one that's um, a lot of air element? Yeah, vata is the lightest dosha, so it's air and space. And yeah. then pita would be mostly fire and some water also, so it's more like in the middle of the two. So Yeah, yeah. I'm I, I remember very and again I'm I'm like baby new <laughs> to learning about this, but I remember reading I think I just did a little self quiz online or something like that and oh, you are Vata. And reading through it, I'm like, oh, oh, ah. So th- what you just said about understanding yourself and also starting to kind of reconcile some of the layers from maybe earlier in life based off you're like, wow, this is how how my body naturally, how my body is made. This is my constitution. So yeah, it's I find it really helpful to 
to learn, obviously, and I've spoken about this on the podcast before, that the more we learn about ourselves, especially the highly sensitive trait, how it shows up in us uniquely, because we're all, even if we're highly sensitive, it shows up slightly differently in each of us. And then you start to bring in these really interesting layers, these really ancient practices and healing arts of yeah, Ayurveda and learning more about yourself. So I love that. And what, because you've touched on food, and I think that's something that really comes up with a lot of people's lives. And definitely curious on the food sensitivities, but maybe we'll just start with the foods. <laughs> what advice do you have for people who are who are sensitive um, to certain foods? We'll go into it anyway. And maybe struggling to manage their diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a huge question for sure. Yeah, we could talk um, for hours and hours, I'm sure, on that. Just a light prep. How about food sensitivities? <laughs> We're going to go into it no. anyway. I guess I'll expand on what you kind of said before that it's like very personalized, right? Um, mm. Ayurveda recognizes that we're all we're all humans, but we're all unique in some way. So what may be right for you may not be right for someone else and vice versa. So mm. that's why it is great to get to know what is your body type first of all. And um, of course, that can be intuitive, or that can be like doing a quiz online or doing your own study. Um, But I definitely recommend if you can, like working with a practitioner or an Ayurvedic doctor. There's a bit more depth to it when you actually are like speaking with a person that's trained and understands this. And maybe, yeah, it's it's good to start off with the in quiz land. it gives you uh maybe kind of wets the appetite but yeah I want to bring that into so I'm glad you named it exactly and a lot of people come to me and say like oh yeah my dosha is vata and when we go a little bit deeper they discover that they're actually not vata by nature but vata is what's present for them as an imbalance in this current moment. So we all have our really true nature that we were actually born with. Yeah. yeah. And that's why, you know, when I have a consultation with someone, that's actually part of um, my 90-day online program that I have at the moment. The first meeting I have with a new client is a consultation where I get to know their body type and they get to know their body type. Um Because, yeah, we all have our balanced state, but then because of all of the things that have happened to us in our life and all the choices that we've made, we're now in some kind of imbalanced state, usually. Um, And that's where diseases and illnesses come up. So, yeah, that would be my first suggestion to anyone who is struggling with food and maybe wanting to um, know more about Ayurveda is maybe work with someone and get to know your body type. So are you hot? Are you cold? Do you have a fast or a slow digestion? What issues keep coming up for you um, like throughout your life as like an illness? What foods do you find are triggering to you? Um, and one of the main things I would say just as like a small tip is checking in with your digestive fire on a regular basis day-to-day, moment-to-moment, before you eat something. So when I say digestive fire, I'm referring to the philosophy in Ayurveda that almost all of our health issues come from this agni, which means fire in Sanskrit, and it's seated in our stomach. Mm -hmm. 
And if this fire is not active enough, then we're not going to be able to properly digest and assimilate our nutrients from our food. So then we can run into so many issues like constipation, bloating, um, feeling lethargic and heavy, for example. And it's also the same if our digestive fire is overactive. If we have too much fire, then we may be experiencing things like heartburn, acidity, stomach ulcers. So either way, we want to keep that digestive fire in a good, healthy balance. And if it's out of balance, it can easily be reset with a cleanse or using digestive herbs, changing what kind of foods you're eating or not eating. There's many different methods. And once again, in my 90-day program, after we have a consultation, the next step is for the person to undergo a seven-day at-home detox, which is based on the Panchakarma detox, which is a lot more complex. Mm -hmm. Um, But that usually helps a lot of people at least just come back to a clean slate. Very cool. Very cool. And I do hear a lot about, um, you know, liver cleanse and detox. And I, I definitely believe they have their place. And I say this only from my own personal experience, not putting this on anyone else. But I know when I've done a liver cleanse before, in hindsight, I would have really benefited from working some with someone when I kind of just followed this protocol. And at the end, was like, that was really intense. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. So I think it, it's gotten quite popularized, which anything that has really deep value and deep merit can kind of come around again and, and be popularized. And that's great because people begin to understand, hey, maybe there's an element to this that's useful. And I just wonder if sometimes we go a little overboard. And I know being, I didn't know this as much at the time when I did this cleanse, but being a sensitive person, I may not need to have gone as intense as many of the sort of prescriptive routes would have gone. By prescriptive, I mean, step one, do this, step two, do that. So yeah, just to recap, I love what you're bringing in about this individuality. That was the word I was looking for before, like personalized. Yes. And yeah, I was talking, when I was talking with um, Marie, who, you know, as well, I love our, our circle here, and on herbalism, it's like these different lenses of, of looking and understanding people and about their balance and imbalance state. Now you have me thinking, Vata, hmm, <laughs> where am I at with that? Um, and knowing, yeah, we've chatted a little bit on that earlier, and yeah, I think it's really helpful the more people understand how their inner landscape looks. For me, it's more how their psyche, how their emotions, how how their patterns show up. And it sounds like on your end, how their foods interact with them and their lifestyle and their all, all of it. It's the beauty of a, a really broad and encompassing system. What you're saying about Ayurveda probably starts to make more sense when you said just learn some of the basics because it sounds in some ways like a natural... By that, I mean sort of common sense, like, oh, well, that makes sense. If you're going to work with your digestive system, well, it probably makes sense to bring in some de- meditation too. In my language, okay, bring in the parasympathetics more. Bring in the rest, digest, heal side of the, me- of the nervous system. So anyway, recapping there. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, love what you brought in. If you had anything that came up from that, feel free to, to dive in. Like, so always fascinates me how many different how many different cultures have found 
a way to work with people individually, have this really ancient medicine, and that for the most part, many, well, that we know of anyway, many are still around. And I think Ayurveda, uh, especially with the yoga element, I don't know that a lot of people realize how integrated those are, that one comes from the other. And you mentioned massage as well. And many people are very familiar with massage. That's like often the first port of call. Oh, I feel feel stressed, overwhelmed, going to go for a massage. They're lovely. I love what you named about touch as well. There's a lot of different ways to be in physical contact with a person in a, a therapeutic way. So I'd be curious to hear a little bit more. How does, how does Ayurveda or Ayurvedic um, massage kind of differ? What sort of shows up a little, a little bit there? I'm just wondering if you could speak a little bit um, to that one. Yes, of course. And I loved all of that recap. Uh, Totally resonated with me, um, especially uh, about potentially being like a highly sensitive person or even an intense person and then going into like a detox or a cleanse with not much guidance or understanding. It can really like actually make things worse for you. So um, in Ayurveda, we need the opposite to ground or to help us. Uh, For example, if you're a Vata person, you have a lot of air and space, you need to be grounded. So you need more like like Kapha. I was going to say, that's my like always go to. um, I do so much grounding work because I know how comfortable I am up up in space. I'm so fine to be Mm -hmm. up in a, yeah, that more air space. And I think of space as ether, so I like that you, you name it as that. But I, yeah, I hear you on that. It's like, oh, yes, my uh, grounding foods go a long way for me. They make a massive difference. And maybe they don't make, quote unquote, as much difference to someone that um, maybe is, I don't know, pitta. And that grounding is not maybe the same relationship. Not sure. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, and a pita person could be like very intense um, just by nature and like go hard, get things done. And for them, cleanses are actually the least recommended, like doing a hardcore cleanse because it can make them more fiery and more intense. So they actually need a cleanse that's a bit softer. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's different organs to target. There's different types of cleanses to do so it's yeah that's why it's great to have some guidance if you're wanting to get into a cleanse um and then yeah definitely this is like a very personalized unique um way to look at your health but like you said it's also a lot of common sense um and then yeah to answer your question about massage um yeah in our our like modern culture uh, there's so many different types of massage and massage can be seen just as like a form of relaxation or like going to the spa or just targeted very much at like muscles um, or tension but ayurveda uses massage for all of those things but mostly as a detoxification method Um, So the Ayurvedic massage is called Abhyanga, and that means to penetrate the skin with um, medically or herbally infused oils. So um, the friction that is used by the practitioner putting their hands with oil onto your skin 
is actually a way to like physically get that oil inside the body. Ayurveda is all about like lubrication because um, as we age, we all experience more vata, which brings more dryness to the body, more stiffness, um, more cracking in our bones and joints. So we need like oil is like a very main staple for most of us um, that we're missing either, whether that's internally like drinking or eating oil um, or having that like friction massage with the oil going inside of your body. Um, so actually when you receive um, a Panchakarma detoxification treatment um, in India or like anywhere that there's a center where it's like professionally done in that way, you would be receiving Abhyanga massage like at least I would say for two weeks straight every day. Oh, wow. Um, so so yeah. different. And it's actually not that relaxing. Well, in my personal experience, like the first couple of days, I was like, oh, this is so great. And then the next day I was like, I don't want to do my massage today. Like, just leave me alone. Don't touch me. Because then mental and emotional mm -hmm. things start coming up for you. It's not only about the physical like detoxification and sweating and purging. It's like so many things come up in the mind and the emotions and um, yeah, sometimes you just don't want to go for your massages, but um, that's just like, once again, a small little piece of yeah. the types of treatments that are offered through Ayurveda, because there are many more besides just the Abhyanga. Yeah, yeah, so interesting. And yeah, as a sensitive person, I, I'm always very conscious when I go and get sessions for myself. I'm very aware of how spaced out they are or not. And like I used to do a lot of sessions, especially when I was just really in the depths trying to sort out my ongoing pain and really what led me to all this work in the first place. When I was in that deep burnout state, I was like, everything, just throw everything at me. And, and there's, there was an element of, wow, huh, integration, what an idea. So saying that the flip side to that is there can be yeah there can be a container for exploring things more deeply and kind of exploring at, a, at an edge within one's window of tolerance so yeah the, the daily massages sound super interesting from both the like all right we're going in um and then yeah I feel like you need a lot of integration time after after all of that and a lot of exploration and just feels like a, it would be a pretty deep soul searching time if you're bringing all that up you kind of have a different way of looking at things so they, they seem it seems like there's a lot of as you named a lot of a lot of different ways of, of acknowledging the body and I like that there's such a physical component to it as well as as the diet as the meditation of course it's very holistic I'd love another word other than holistic too, because that's gotten so buzzwordy. I feel like it's lost some some potency, but it, it still sums it up well. What I'm curious about Ayurveda and sensitivity. Earlier on, way at the beginning of the podcast, uh, speaking with a, a Chinese uh, traditional Chinese medicine doctor and acupuncturist, and it's starting to become one of my questions that I'm bringing in now. Um, and you touched on this before recording too, 
in our in our email chats just about how does Ayurveda manage energetic sensitivity. This is something I again talk with the acupuncturists about, kind of their view of of sensitivity, and yeah, how do you think this relates as well? This energetic sensitivity. Uh, maybe we'll just start there. Uh, I'll bring in the other later. How does Ayurveda manage energetic sensitivity or, or think of of sensitivity? It's a long-winded question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I totally get what you mean and where you're going with that. And Ayurveda is totally a holistic science. Um, Just as in yoga, you know, we're looking not only at the physical body with like food and diet and exercise, but we're also looking at the mental, emotional and spiritual um, states and how all of those states are connected, of course. So like Mm -hmm. if something is off in your physical health, of course, it's going to affect your mental and emotional well-being. And so, yeah, Ayurveda is like comes from the Vedic texts, which were written by holy people so that humans can basically live their best life. So within the Vedas, you will also find yoga. You will also find so many other branches that can be incorporated into your um into your lifestyles whether that's mantra chanting whether that's vedic astrology chakras gemstones like all of those things can be used at some point um it just depends who you're working with or what you're interested in or what resonates with you um but yeah not only looking at like the physical healing of like diet and exercise Um, And then in terms of the doshas, I would say that all three doshas, vata, pitta, and kapha, even though they're all very different and we'll all have our own unique uh, body type, um, each dosha has its own type of sensitivity. So if a vata person is sensitive, like they may become like mentally stimulated very easily and maybe like experience (laughs) things like overthinking or anxiety whereas like a kapha person if they're experiencing sensitivity it might be like very internal it might be like sadness it might be like sentimentality of something that happened in the past because they're very Mm. attached or whereas if a pita person is sensitive um they can be sensitive in the way that like maybe they get triggered in their emotions. Like maybe they like explode suddenly um, Mm. or get angry. So like there's all different ways that sensitivity shows up in the different doshas as well. And so, yeah, I love that too, because it, it's never just like so cut and dry or one way. Like there's so many, like sensitivity is also a huge spectrum. Hugely. Yeah. And since I started my practice working with clients, I have noticed like a huge influx of people coming to me who are sensitive and who are experiencing not just only physical issues, but mental and emotional imbalances, whether that's depression, anxiety, chronic stress, chronic fatigue. Um, And like you mentioned before, I'm working mainly with people who have experienced chronic fatigue or burnout um, because it's just so common in our society. It's common for me as a sensitive person. I've experienced that from just taking on too much in my life and not knowing how to manage my boundaries with people and with work. And that Mm -hmm. has pushed me over the edge several times. And 
of course, in the last couple of years, um, that's been like very highlighted how much mental and emotional health affects people. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's just like really important to look at that. And one of the best and easiest ways to manage, um, you know, like stress and anxiety and your personal sensitivities is to incorporate a really good daily routine for yourself. And Ayurveda has something called Dinacharya, which means daily routine. And I call it like the daily routine of self-care, because if you follow it, it's just like you doing all the things that you want to do, but at the right time. So it just flows very well. But of course, we don't all have time for that all the time. So what I would say to someone who is looking to manage their energetic sensitivities and maybe is taking on too much is first of all, just like knowing boundaries, knowing when to say no, um, Mm -hmm. incorporating self-care. And that doesn't mean you have to like take a whole day off and go to the spa. It can just be like five minutes of meditation in the morning before you jump out of bed or like having a hot bath when you come home for work, like whatever that means to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then of course, Um, I teach people about the Ayurvedic daily routine as part of my work because it helps you understand that the doshas become present at different times in the day. So if your vata is very active at the vata time of day, you have to do certain things to ground yourself or you're going to feel out of control. Um, So yeah, that's just like another small but fascinating piece. Yeah. Like there's so, I just, and I keep seeing parallels between other traditions from that. I had no idea there were different times of day because I know for me, I have different times of day. I am particularly creative, not to make this all about me show, but (laughs) (laughs) I also volunteer myself of of guinea pig uh, being that I'm here, here and willing. And yeah, there's certain times of day where I'm more creative and more in the flow. And there's other times of day, and I speak about this as well, and other times of my menstrual cycles, be curious. This is just a speaking out loud. Um, there's different phases of the menstrual cycle that be affected. Uh, the doshas, are, which are predominant, kind of weaving in there. But I know I've got different mm-hmm. times where I'm going to be probably more indecisive, more changeable. So I don't put the pressure on myself to make a big decision if I can put it off. And that just comes from self-exploration, self-discovery and, and knowing myself. And if I need to mention the boundaries of self-care, that is, that's our theme of the month for the, uh-huh. the Menstrual Wise Collective right now. And boundaries is so huge. And I think people take it as such a hard edge I have a boundary with this. And it's like, actually, we can have, we can have a, a range to our boundaries. And one of the biggest boundaries we get to discover, I feel like, is in a gentle way with ourselves, with how to really nurture and care for ourselves. Like that mm-hmm. word self-care is thrown around so much, and I'm so all about it, so hugely for it. And yeah, I'll have to name it as sacred self-care because that's the value I, I place on it. Uh, and it sounds like you do as well. And yeah, just as a different way of, of thinking about it too. It's like, what are the things, if you're listening and you're like, well, how do I bring this in? What are the things that you know fill you back up? Like if you have been kind of the leaky bucket all day, things just getting harder and harder Then yeah, knowing and having those things, like you mentioned earlier, Allison, like having a bath at the end of the day can be so incredibly restorative 
And yeah, sure, it's probably about 40 minutes, <laughs> potentially, maybe, maybe this is just mine, but uh, it's something that doesn't have to take forever. That is a chunk of time. But for me, one of my biggest self-care elements is simply eating when I need to eat and not putting it off at all. I know if I do that, I become ungrounded, I'm too hungry, bad things happen. <laughs> so I like what you're bringing in about these different times of day. And I started this whole monologue on the different <laughs> times of day with the doshas. And I didn't know that. Whereas there's different, or, you know, predominantly, hopefully I'm paraphrasing this right, within TCM as well, within the Chinese medical system, there's different organs that are most predominant at certain times of day. So I didn't know that about Ayurveda. I didn't know a lot of things about Ayurveda that I'm learning today, which totally you know, so curious. Well, yeah, no, I just, I, I'm glad you're so excited to hear about all of these things. And I was just going to say in comparison to traditional Chinese medicine, they're actually very closely related. And what <laughs> I, I have surprised? learned about my studies is that, well, because Ch uh, the Chinese culture and the Vedic culture from India are like some of the oldest in the world. Yeah. And geographically, they're very close to each other. So there were actually probably a lot of overlaps like yeah true so, enough yeah I, I don't want to get into like a history lesson but yeah there's a lot a lot of common common knowledge there so yeah. and me personally I have like uh, learned a lot about incorporating Chinese medicine into my own life so you know I'm not here to say like Ayurveda is better or not it's best to just like if you're open, just like explore all of the options and see what comes up for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Very well said. Yeah. There can be, there can sometimes be like, well, where do I, where do I start? All these sound interesting. And honestly, I think it's what draws you naturally using that gift of intuition and that gift of just huh, that curiosity that can come with, with being highly sensitive and just playing around with it, having some fun exploring. And that's something I feel Definitely. like we, we miss a lot of is play <laughs> and yes. having fun. And yet we end up in these and these states of burnout as a culture really commonly, you know, Western culture I'm referring to. And so how do you believe this all relates? Um, we have so many chronic health issues that we see pretty regularly. Um, I don't know if this is your experience. I'm often considered a last resort. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've heard that. I've seen everyone under the sun and you're my last resort or kind of like the last person they'll go see, maybe not the final person, but as in they'll try a lot more mainstream ways and, and we're getting a little out of, of mainstream ways and yet it is very common to have these these chronic health issues. So I'd love to hear, yeah, the kind of the Ayurvedic lens perspective um, on this, especially as you work so, so closely with it and supporting people in that realm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So much to say there. Uh, I've definitely had clients come to me who are like, I am just taking a shot in the dark because nothing has worked. And, you know, I'm about to have an organ removed from my body or something like mm. that. Please help me. And, um, yeah, a few people have come to me like that and I, they have had really great success stories. Amazing. Um, but yeah, I would say the work that you're going to do on yourself, um, it's not 
necessarily going to be easy or a quick fix. And that's why a lot of people go the route of allopathic medicine because it's like a pill or, you know, a surgery and, you know, this will never bother you again kind of thing. But through the Ayurvedic lens, we're looking at like the root cause. So if you have a chronic health issue, like where did that come from? If you have a food sensitivity, why? And when we go back and do your health consultation, learn about your history from childhood, from birth, from conception, there is probably something that happened a long time ago that has then developed into a habit in your body or in your lifestyle that has then made a chronic health issue over time. Um, so it's not to say that chronic health issues can't be fixed or reversed or changed, but it takes like that really deep understanding about yourself and that understanding about your issue. And then you making that dedication to yourself to like go there and do that work and realizing that it might take a long time. It might take months. It might take a year, but it is possible to empower yourself to make those changes by the choices you're making. Yeah, so it's basically just whatever route you choose to go, just like realizing that it's not going to be a quick fix and just like allowing yourself to go there and do that work. Yeah, yeah, it can be such a deep dive into it. And like my big experience in my own life with with burnout and being on medical leave for years like that was a long time ago now and yet there'll be layers that I'll still come across and go okay I can work on this more and it just to yeah there's also time and time and place it brought me a lot of safety to start in the allopathic world and by allopathic we just mean the Mm -hmm. kind of the hospital your GP medical doctors totally time and place for everything and yeah I found a lot of safety going there getting all the scans getting all the tests getting all the workup and then being like well actually we see nothing wrong so it's probably all in your head but that was helpful Mm -hmm. for me to know okay I I can for me I found that empowering so I'm like I can work with this then and Mm -hmm. then knowing that yeah it can be incredibly frustrating when you're trying to heal and kind of can feel hopeless and can feel very demoralizing and at the same time, it's never about fault or blame or this is the thing that's been done wrong. It's like, what a what a huge milestone in life. When a person comes to me that's really in a challenging way, it's like, what a huge a chapter they're writing in life right now. And mm-hmm. never knowing exactly how it's going to turn out. But I feel like that ingredient of hope is so important whenever anyone's walking. Totally. Yeah, a healing path of any description. Having that very special quality of just hopefulness, which a lot of us, I think when we're burnt out, can lose because it feels like, well, what's the point? This is it's just going to be the same tomorrow. But if there's a layer of hope in there to begin to change things, to look at things in a different way, and knowing mm-hmm. that there's always something new to discover, even if it's not an exact linear, okay, I know this is going to be helpful for me and it doesn't feel better right away it's like well maybe there's more to explore Mm -hmm. and there was I was gonna say on that note as well is like it could be something causing a chronic health issue for you presently that is something that you're like unaware of 
Mm. Like, for example, when we were children or babies, we didn't choose the type of food that we could eat. We were just fed. Yeah. And, you know, there could have been one thing that you were constantly fed as a child that actually was not good for your constitution. And then over time, it created ama in the body, which is the Sanskrit word for toxins. And then toxins create a lifelong issue, right? If that's never addressed. Um, Also, Ayurveda puts like a very big emphasis on like um, conscious conception and um, pregnancy and like creation of a baby. um, Mm, Of a life, of a soul. Totally, all of those things that your parents may have been experiencing when they were trying to bring you into this world is then carried into your life through your genetics and through your imprintation. So it's so, it's so interesting. And then you realize that, you know, we don't have control of everything, but the steps that you can take now today in your health, you do have control over. Yeah. 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 Amazing. (laughs) That is also a really, really intriguing layer. We bring that in, in, in craniosacral, that idea of, of conscious conception and this I know is a kind of it's a whole other layer and topic but I feel like I'm, I'm hearing about this from more and more people starting to explore this and exploring how they feel during pregnancy and taking as much as they can knowing that life happens and maybe you know I've I also worked with women in, on the floor who are like, I need to get in X number of shifts before I can go on uh, my mat leave so that I'm covered. And they're tired and they want to be resting and they want to be probably reflective and introspective. So knowing that life life happens, but I feel like what a beautiful system, what a beautiful system, I'm going to reword that, what a beautiful layer to have within Ayurveda, like right from very beginning of life through to end that it's addressing. So love that Mm -hmm. yeah and so much to do with our society as well and the way we live you know that like pushing ourselves to work through when we're not Mm -hmm. feeling like we don't want to work we're just always feeling like we need to be productive or doing something or making money and that creates so much stress and like so many health issues just from that feeling of feeling like you have to always be on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just have a lot of compassion for everyone Mm -hmm. and myself included, because we're all, we're all part of the same society at the moment. Yeah. And a very capitalist patriarchal type society. And yeah, yeah, for sure. I really appreciate that layer of needing to be compassionate and different layers and levels of privilege within people's lives how much time they can take Mm -hmm. to explore their health and then how much life is in a particularly challenging chapter. So, and then you add in being highly sensitive and it gets all the more interesting. And so Mm -hmm. being a highly sensitive practitioner, how do you find, or how does being a highly sensitive person, do you find just slight shift here how do you find that works in your favor or not when you're working with clients Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good question um well what has come up for me um most recently is like 
just really having to do my own like self-work and self-care so I can show up in a good way with other people and being a sensitive person like very empathetic I've always been really good at like reading other people through their body language through expressions and just like following my intuition so actually that works very well for me Mm. when I'm working Mm. one-on-one with a client and we're doing a consultation we're trying to understand their body type and where their issues come from and that usually can help my intuition helps me make a really good analysis of a person that's usually quite accurate so I'm grateful for that Um, But then on the other hand, um, I'm so sensitive and so empathetic. Sometimes um, people do find it very easy to like be vulnerable with me. And if I'm not conscious of my like energetic boundaries, I can definitely absorb what they're going through Um, or they can like dump on me or cross boundaries with me where we're having like suddenly like a five hour consultation (laughs) instead of one hour. So I was like, yeah, I have to be careful and trying to change the way that I show up in my work instead of like cramming my schedule full, you know, trying to choose certain days where I can see clients or do work. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. And just trying to do my best to like also do my personal detoxifications, like using a lot of herbs and like supplements to support my body, like trying to eat well. It doesn't always happen. You know, no one is perfect. We're all um, human. Yeah, we can we can know it. Perfect. Sometimes life is, it makes it a little challenging to bring it in. So we're all human. <laughs> totally. So yeah, I would say in general, I have a lot of advantages being a sensitive person doing this work, but it can also be, it can be hard sometimes. Yeah. 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 Oh, and I, I so hear you on all of the above. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would never I trade my sensitivity at all. Never for the world. I love being a sensitive person. And it's, it's kind of the theme of this show learning to better navigate the challenges while really understanding and harnessing leaning into the gifts of it so you kind of already answered the ish maybe you have it something different the question I ask every every guest but if there's anything different you wanted to bring in of the biggest challenge and your favorite gift of being highly sensitive just to yourself and if you feel like it that kind of summed it up already that's totally fine too um let's see what else I can add to that like biggest gifts of being a highly sensitive person I would say one of my gifts uh, besides that is also like being so connected to animals and plants like other beings besides humans and like um yeah like sharing my gifts with animals if I can like if if there's a suffering animal I like to really do dog massage I think that's maybe one of the other hats I want (laughs) to wear in the future is like having a dog massage business or something because they're just so sensitive to that type of treatment um yeah and then one of my challenges or things I don't like about being highly sensitive is that sometimes I just have to like cancel plans and take days off because like I'm crying or something and it can be like debilitating sometimes and 
hard to like have relationships sometimes mm-hmm. like communicating with people like these are my needs I know it seems weird but like I can't do that thing right now mm-hmm. um so yeah I'm, I'm still learning about myself and learning about my gifts and my sensitivities so yeah I, I love listening to your show because you talk mm-hmm. so openly and truthfully about that and it makes me feel like I'm not alone, and I, as I'm sure it does for many people. So, yeah, oh, thanks just, for doing your work also. It just fills my heart up. So glad to hear that. And and I really, ah, on a very mini side note, I've been just so humbled and heart-filled with the, the messages I've been getting. It's the end of the years. I've had people sending me through screenshots of like this was my top listed podcast or my top few and I just am really I when I started this it was very much we're coming up to a year there will be a year anniversary episode coming on this solstice and I had no idea really what I was doing when I started this podcast other than I knew and felt very guided on a spiritual level to bring in a real life experience of being a highly sensitive bring in the stories, what I go through day to day, bring in wonderful people like you. So thank you for sharing your both gifts and challenges because the more, I think the more we share, the more we can also go, oh, oh, that's kind of normal actually. That's okay that, huh? Like for me, I've just spent two days at an indoor market. I had a table there. I had my potions, my flower essences, And yeah, I needed some serious recovery time. I'm still in recovery time from that. Whereas some people that are not as sensitive, just they're probably just carrying on. So we're Mm -hmm. very different Mm -hmm. in that way. But it has been so fantastic chatting with you. I've learned a lot. I hope those listening have learned a lot as well. And for those that want to learn more, that want to get in touch with you or learn more about your offerings, where can they find you? And what are you up to these days in terms of what you offer? Yes. Um, Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me as well. I loved talking to you and um, hearing about how much you resonate with um, this type of ancient health sciences. Endlessly Um, fascinating to me. Totally. And where you can find me, um, I'm on social media. My, um, I use, my name is Atmana Healing. Um, that's like the name of my health practice. So that's A-T-M-A-N-A Healing. Um, my Instagram handle is Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N dot Atmana Healing. Um, and then also my website, um, atmanahealing.com. And my biggest offering at the moment is my online 90-day energy reset program. And that is a program specifically designed for people who may be experiencing those type of energetic or mental emotional sensitivities. Um, I name it as fatigue or burnout, but it can be a spectrum of many other things within that program, you're going to be working online with me one-on-one. You're going to receive an Ayurvedic health consultation to know your body and your imbalances. You're going to um, go through a seven-day at-home detox. 
You're going to receive support from me, uh, learn about the daily routine, receive a food and herbal medicine plan, and so many other things. And I'm going to be offering people a discount for the holiday season that is coming up. So if you want to enroll as a new client, it's a really good opportunity to take advantage of that. Um, and hopefully in the new year, I'm going to be doing some some online and hopefully also in-person workshops and retreats. So you can stay tuned to all of that through my social media if you check it out. Thank you so much. Beautiful. <laughs> so exciting. I feel like this is a really, really helpful, in short, a really helpful way for people to realize how many more ways they can look at their body and their health and their lifestyle. And maybe you're listening at home and completely are in love with yoga and maybe didn't know there was so much more to it. So there's so many more related aspects that all intersect really beautiful within Ayurvedic medicine. So I am so grateful for your time, your wisdom, and for coming on the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Lisa. Talk soon. Sounds good. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me and Allison today. And if this has resonated with you, if you've enjoyed today's show, I invite you to pass it along to a friend who you think may benefit from listening to it. As always, if you'd ever like to leave feedback, to rate, review, or subscribe, that's also a wonderful thing. And as a quick recap for current events on my end, in terms of combination healing, I am so, so enjoying the lead up to winter solstice and look forward to holding a winter solstice circle online on Friday, December 17th and in person at the beautiful Kootenai Soul Yoga Studio on December 19th, which will be in Trail, BC. Right, everyone? I am so excited for today's episode. I hope you got a lot of really juicy takeaways. And I look forward to speaking to you all again soon. So until next time, bye for now.